Hello, my name is Shireen Jordan and welcome to Tea and Tonic. This podcast is about giving my guests from all different creative industries the chance to tell us about how they got to where they are today. While we both sip a tea or perhaps something a bit stronger with a tonic. It's a chance for those affected by the impact of lockdown, the opportunity to chat. Because talking is, as the saying goes, just the tonic. I hope you enjoy it with a beverage in hand. It is Saturday, August the 15th, 2020. And my guest today is professional Latin and ballroom dancer Robin Windsor. Robin from Ipswich started dancing at the age of three going on to compete and represent England at the Youth World Championships. He toured with the show Burn the Floor for 10 years around the world, including a spell on Broadway. In 2010, Robin joined Strictly Come Dancing, enjoying his most successful year in his third season, with partner Lisa Riley finishing fifth. Since leaving the show, Robin has headlined Burn the Floor in London's West End with his pro-partner Christina Rianoff, worked in St Lucia and has been keeping the nation fit with Zoom dance classes during lockdown. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Robin Windsor. Hello! Hello! Hello, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Good. Robin, thank you for um, agreeing to chat to me on a Saturday morning. Oh, you're welcome. Any time is good for me. <laughs> right, without further ado, what drink have you got next to you? I've got an orange juice in my hand this morning because okay. it is nice and early. So okay. uh, if it was a few hours later, there would be a little bit of vodka in there. But uh, we'll start with an orange juice today. Well, cheers. Um, I've got a licorice tea to try and pet me up. Oh, nice. Robin, I don't know where to start. I mean, there's so much to talk about. I think people will obviously know you from your time on Strictly Come Dancing. But your dance journey, shall we say, actually started when you were three, didn't it? Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, despite the weird sort of Australian twang that I have to my accent, I'm actually from Ipswich. Okay. Um, and uh, my parents used to dance and teach at the local dance studio, um, uh, ballroom dancing. So um, I was always there from birth, really. And at three years old, they caught me wiggling my hips in the mirror and said, uh, would you like to have a lesson? So I said yes, and I got the bug from uh, that moment there on. And um, I just fell in love with moving to music. So it didn't really matter what uh, environment I was in. Um, I was always going to be a dancer, I think. But because I was in a ballroom environment, that's where I started. So it was really in your blood then? Yeah, uh, my mum, my dad, my sister, they all danced, all competed. Um, my sister uh, stopped when she was about 20 and my parents stopped a, a long time ago and I was the one that just carried it on through. Did you know as a child that that's what you were going to do as a career or did you see it at that point as a hobby? Um, at that age, it was just something that I loved to do. And as I grew a little older, it was still more of a hobby. Yes, I was competing and doing competitions. Um, and it wasn't until I was more of a teenager that I realised that I could do it as a career because I wanted to leave Ipswich. And I knew that if I became extremely good, I'd be able to use that as a platform to move out of Ipswich. As a teenager, were you dancing loads of hours a week? Um, I'd go to school every day. Um, and then after school, four or five times a week, I'd go straight down to the dance studio. So while all my mates were out playing football and stuff, um, I was down there, a bit of a Billy Elliot, going to going to his dance classes all the time. So I absolutely loved it. Um, and I was doing well at it as a, as a young child. And that was helping me spur 
spur myself on to continue to want to push because I could see results and I was coming home with trophies from competitions and um, taking them to school. And then uh, as I got a little older and started to wear the fake tan, I'd go to a competition on a Sunday and turn up to school with a bright orange face on a Monday morning. And um, I was very, very fortunate that I didn't get any bullying at school because I was a dancer. I, I consider myself to be extremely lucky and, and thankful to everybody at my school who supported me all the way through. Were you almost the kind of popular one? Because I guess having a talent probably quite different to everyone else at the time made you stand out and perhaps a bit more unique. Um, perhaps. I mean, I was always a very sociable um, kid at, at school and I was pretty much friends with everybody. Um, I'm a little bit and I still am a bit of a social butterfly. So I was always hanging around with different groups. So I didn't really get set and have any particular proper best friends because everybody was my friends it was how I liked it to be. Did you have a female dance partner in your teens then Robin because I've watched Baby Ballroom and it seems to be very difficult to match sometimes you know young people with the correct partner for the height and the age and and the style. Well when I was younger I had a a dance partner from the actual dance school that I was from her name was Jeanette a lovely lovely girl Um, and I got to a point where she wasn't necessarily as interested in the dancing as much and I wanted to progress a lot more. So uh, my, my next dance partner was from London. Uh, we, uh, uh, and what that entailed was instead of me going down to the local studio after school, my parents would have to drive me to London uh, so that we were able to practice. So we'd go to a, a place in Cheam in Surrey uh, where we'd be able to practice all the time. And then I'd spend every weekend in London living with my dance partner and her family. And they took me around to all of our lessons in the London area. Wow. Um, we became England's number one ballroom couple. Um, it took quite a long time and a lot of hard work, uh, but we got there. Um, and due to certain circumstances, she decided to dance with somebody else. Uh, and then my next partner went further afield and was from Southampton, um, <laughs> which I believe is where you're from. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and um, in that case, it was my last year at school, at high school. And on a Friday afternoon, I'd take the afternoon off school and get on a train by myself and go down to Southampton, uh, which is pretty daunting at 15, uh, with my um, um, leg warmers and some spray tan in a bag, and off I went. Uh, And then I'd uh, train with uh, Coralie in Southampton all weekend, and then I'd come back on a Monday morning, because in those days, the school would allow you to have a certain amount of time off to do something like that. Um, And... uh, we became England's number one youth couple within five weeks of dancing together and uh, wow. went on to represent England at the World Championships. Uh, and then I left school and um, moved to London. You were a baby still at this point. Yeah, it was very scary. I, I knew that in order for me to further my dance career and get to be the... As at that stage, all I wanted to be was world champion. There was no Strictly, there was no Dancing with the Stars, there was no So You Think You Dance. All there was for ballroom dancers was to be world champion because we're sort of separated from uh, ballet, jazz and tap and all of the, the stuff like that. I, I guess it's more on the ice skating sort of level where you do it as a competitive um, arena. Mm-hmm. Um, so all I wanted to be was world champion. And um, I got to the age of... Well, let's say eight, it was 18. And um, 
I started to have issues, well, not issues, but not understand. And I've been going through this for years uh, with my sexuality, uh, understanding that I was gay. Um, and it sort of took away from my commitment to my dance. So uh, Coralie sadly ended our dance partnership and uh, went to dance with somebody else. Uh, whereas I stopped dancing because um, I'd got myself into a bit of a financial situation and I did not want my parents to pay for anything else because they'd given up so much for me as a kid. Uh, so I decided to stop dancing and I was a young gay guy living in London and it was all exciting. So I got involved in going out partying every single night of the week and um, it all started to take its toll eventually. Um, uh, in the meantime, Coralie had joined a show called Burn the Floor, uh, a big ballroom dancing show that was created at Elton John's 50th birthday party. There's a guy there that saw some ballroom dancers and he said, I want to make this into a show. So she was part of the original cast of that. We've gone our separate ways. Uh, a year and a half later, um, I was wandering down Oxford Street and I literally bumped into Coralie, which was a million to one chance because she was living in Southampton. And she said, oh, you're looking um, a little bit rough around the edges. Are you all, are you okay? And I said, look, I really want to dance again, but I don't want to compete. Um, I don't know what to do. And she said, it's funny you say that. She said, because I've stopped competing now. And I did do Burn the Floor. Uh, and it was great. That's finished now. And um, I'd like to dance again. So maybe we should get back together and do some stuff for some cruise ships and things like that. She said, but you're going to have to come and live with me in Southampton. Because I'd lost a lot of weight. And she said, you can come and live with me and my family. And they took me in like one of their own. And they were amazing. And for the next six months, we spent all of our time um, rehearsing, um, getting bits and pieces together. She needed to lose some weight. I needed to put some weight on. Uh, and I took a job at John Lewis in Southampton there, spraying perfume every day, which was a joy. Um, and then the day that we sent off the VHS tapes to uh, all the cruise ships, because, yes, it was that long ago with the VHS tape. Good old tapes. Um, Coralie got a phone call from Burn the Floor to say that we're restarting it. Instead of an arena show, we're turning it into a theatre show, and we'd like you to come back, and we've got someone for you to dance with. And lo the lovely person that she is, she said, look, I'm dancing with Robin again. Um, I wouldn't be able to come without him. And, it, and Jason Gilkerson, the, the mm -hmm. choreographer, said, excuse me. <coughs> um, oh, my gosh, I remember him. Um, he was a great dancer. Oh, do you know what? Bring him with you. And that was it. No, no audition, no anything like that. It was all based on reputation. And um, I got my big break just by basically bumping into Coralie in, in Oxford Street and her, taking, and her and her family taking me in. So I owe them everything. Robin, that's incredible. Just to go back a little bit, all the dance classes that you were having beforehand, you know, you said you got into a bit of a financial pickle. I mean, trying to become a professional Latin and ballroom dancer is not a cheap thing to do, is it? Uh, ballroom dancing is a very expensive uh, either hobby or a, co a competitive industry. Um, I mean, you've only got to look at the outfits and things for a start and you need those changed regularly the amount of lessons you have to have, the traveling, the competitions. Um, then uh, to get yourself up the ranks, uh, you have to hit certain um, certain positions and go to certain competitions around the world. Uh, they call it, uh, back then it was IDSF competitions. And, in, and to get your world ranking up, you had to go to these competitions. And we had no money. Um, 
uh, the way that we had to do it was save all of our money to over over a month to be, just be able to have a couple of lessons. The rest of it was what we could learn uh, from a video uh, that we'd have filmed our lesson and we'd sit there and study it and go over and over and over it. Um, and we did that all our, we got all of our results based on just pure hard work. Cause a lot of people can go have a lot of money and can go to all the judges for lessons and things like that. Whereas we couldn't. So we felt really proud that we were able to do it all off our own back. Wow. Well done you. That's amazing. How important is it to have that great chemistry with your dance partner like you did with Coralie? Oh, it's everything. I mean, Coralie was like a sister to me. I, I almost was in love with Coralie because we were so close, um, not in a sexual way, uh, but there was a definite love between us and that you could see that on the dance floor. And when we first got together, we were so excitable and we had a lot of energy um, Technically, probably not the best couple on the floor, but um, performance-wise, uh, blew everybody out the the ballpark with our with our performance, um, and that seemed to have resonated with with all the judges, and they just absolutely loved us, and I, we couldn't believe what was happening at the time. Wow, that period of time that you had without dance, you said about eighteen months, where you know stuff was happening in your personal life, and you needed to some time out. What was that like? then returning to dance after that 18 months? Oh, it was the best thing in the world. Um, I'd missed it so much. I'd still dance in my front room and put music on and just dance, but uh, dancing had been my entire life and all of a sudden it wasn't there. Um, And I needed to do something because dancing makes you happy and uh, we'll speak about that a little later on and it's so good for you. Um, And all I wanted to do was dance and somebody up there in the sky put me in the right path and put me in that path back to Coralie again. And uh, uh, that's where it all sort of took off. And then I'd never really traveled an awful lot with the dancing because of the expense. We could only sort of go to where we wanted to. And the next thing you know, I'm transported to Biloxi, Mississippi um, to do a massive three week rehearsal for a show that I used to sit and watch on, on video and learn because I loved it. Uh, Burn the Floor is an incredible show. Um, and to be in it finally was something that I never ever thought would happen and off we went around the world for the next 10 years. Wow I know that Burn the Floor propelled many people who are now in Strictly and have been in Strictly Um, so it's done wonders for people's careers so you did Burn the Floor for 10 years and then what happened? Well, well, with Burn the Floor there's actually I think at last count there's 54 dancers from Burn the Floor that have all gone to do either Strictly or Dancing with the Stars in their own countries. So like there's a lot of Burn the Floor cast in the American Dancing with the Stars. Uh, it's almost like a breeding ground for that to be your next sort of um, step. Um, now we've been traveling with Burn the Floor 10 years um, and we would a different city every single week from all the way from Australia to Asia to all of America, Europe, Canada, um, you, you name it, we've been there. Um, with a, a, a six-month stay in Vegas um, and uh, six months in San Francisco. And it was that that gig in San Francisco that a, a Broadway producer had come to watch, fell in love with the show and said, we want this on Broadway. Now, ballroom dancers do not go to Broadway. It's just a, a, it's just a thing. It always only ever been like proper musical shows and things like that. 
So for ballroom dancers to be invited to go there, we were the first ever ballroom show to be on Broadway. And um, we were only supposed to be there three months and we got extended twice. Um, and we'd probably still be there now, but sadly, because it was part of our tour and we'd had a break, there was a year's gap in the tour. We could not stay any longer than that. So we actually had to leave. Um, but it was one of the most incredible, but hard working periods of my life. It was so difficult there in New York. It, you've got to be on it. Like you, I mean, we were always on it, mm -hmm. but you had to be doubly on it in New York. And it was a very, very tough time, but we had people like Matt Damon and Jennifer Lopez and meatloaf and Sabrina, the teenage witch come to see us and a, a, a whole load of uh, A-list stars. And it was just unbelievable. Um, but after that, I thought, what's next because now I've done this for such a long time and Broadway really is the pinnacle of anybody's sort of dance career so like, what am I going to do next um and I emailed uh Natalie Lowe who's uh one of uh an ex-Strictly dancer she used to be in Burn the Floor and I just said look I want to come home but I don't really know what to do can you suggest anything and she said email these people and they turned out to be the Strictly producers and once they spoke to me on the phone they said uh your name's been coming up time and time and time again because they were looking for a British dancer. Um, and they said, we're really, really interested. Would you be able to come and see us? So I went and had a, a chat to them back at the old BBC in White City um, and they pretty much just offered me the job. And <laughs> no audition of dancing. They didn't ask me to teach or anything like that. They just wanted to see me on camera. And they said right, well, we'd like to offer you the job. And well, I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> Robin, so basically your 20s were spent touring the world and being on Broadway and honing your craft. And I'm guessing you were probably at the peak level of, of fitness at this point as well, because like you said, you had to be on it every day. And then without too much ado, really, strictly kind of falls into falls in place. My lap. Yeah, I was, I, I just felt very fortunate. I spent my life being in the right place at the right time. And I think a, a lot of that has happened sort of like now where there are so many dancers competing for so many positions. And a lot of it is about being in the right place at the right time, because there are just as many people that are talented as me, more talented than me, um, just and I just happened to be what they were looking for and in the right place at the right time. So um, I, I thank the universe for putting me in those places. That was 2010 when you joined Strictly. So 10 years ago. Yes. What, oh, my God. oh, my gosh. You were only 10 years ago. <laughs> I remember you joining the show because you were one of three newbies, new boys that yeah, joined. Yeah, mm -hmm. and Jared's. Now, um, there was a funny story with that because Artem was on Burn the Floor with me at the same time. And um, we'd, we had both been given the job but sworn to secrecy because they said, if you tell anybody, we'll pretend this has not, never happened and we haven't told the people that are leaving yet. So you, we, we cannot let this get out. And they'd said the same thing to Artem. So he's my best mate and we're, walk, we're working together. And um, <laughs> uh, I opened the newspaper on the day it's released and there's Artem's picture next to me. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's totally going to steal my thunder. But, oh, my God, I love him. And this is going to be great. And 
it made the process of going into Strictly so much easier to have my best mate there as well because we had I had a friend there. Even though I knew most of the dancers, I had someone that I knew that I could rely on. That is so lovely. And so you say that you you knew most of the dancers. Was it a, like a family community going into what is such a massive show? Yeah, I mean, I'm going into a show and I was replacing dancers that were my idols when I was growing up. So I felt like, oh my God, like Matthew Cutler and... Um, Who won with Alicia. Yeah, yeah Ian Waite, uh, the Darren Bennett, they were all leaving as I was coming in. And I'm like, I'm replacing guys that I've that were older than me that I'd looked up to all my life. Um, so it was very daunting, but the whole cast was so supportive because I don't think I'd never been as nervous as, uh, in my entire life. Uh, knowing that on that first episode that there's like 10 million people watching you um, down the camera is the most daunting thing. But I wasn't actually so nervous about that. I was more nervous about my mum watching because I know that this, this, that for her was the biggest thing in the entire world and she was so proud and I I wanted to do a good job for her. And, you know, up to this point, had your parents supported your dance and performance career? Yeah, um, they helped me. I mean, my mum was, uh, uh, I owe my mum everything. She worked in a petrol station while I was growing up. She gave me half of her salary every week so that I could dance. And she went without so much. So just because she knew that that's what what was making me happy. Um, So I always just send a random bunch of flowers and always make sure I I do just lovely things for her. Just a reminder that I always remember what she's done for me. What a wonderful woman. What's it like before you know you go live and you're walking up those steps for the you know the world to see you? Do you do yoga? Do you meditate? Is there any way of preparing? No, you're just thrust into it. Really, you do all the rehearsals and everything before for all the group numbers, and and you get your partner ready and things like that. There's no preparing you for what happens, but you have to almost just pretend that there's no one watching at home. You almost need to think that you're in a theatre. If you treat it, if I, because that's where I come from, if you treat it as a theatre, you're, you're just surrounded by the audience. Mm-hmm. That was the best way to do it. And the group numbers were a walk in the park because that's what I would do professionally anyway. It was the actual dancing with the celebrity. All of a sudden, I'm, I've never really worked with celebrities at all. Yes, we've had a couple come and visit us, but I'd never really worked with people. And my first partner was Patsy Kensett. And for me, she was probably the biggest name on the show that year. And I was, for the first week, I was like, oh my God, I'm dancing with Patsy Kensett. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And um, it turns out after a little while, you just realise that they're all just normal people. They just happen to have a job on television, which te- the power of television is crazy. Um, and then all of a sudden, I was that person to other people, like young dancers and people out on the streets. Like, oh my gosh, that's that guy from Strictly. And um, it was very, very daunting and exciting at the same time. Um, but you've got your partner on on that set who really doesn't know what they're doing. And it's up to you to make sure that they do the best job that they possibly can. And you become their therapist as well, because they'll unload everything on you as well what's it like then having to suddenly become a a, a tutor a mentor and I guess your training regime throughout the Strictly Run is is probably pretty grueling 
Oh, it's non-stop. I mean, you, everybody thinks you've got a week to do each dance, but when you when you tally it up, you've got about three days because you've got all the pro stuff to do on the Monday mornings really early. Then you have to travel to where your partner lives. So on the my last season, it was Deborah Meaden, and she lived in Taunton in Somerset. So I then had to get a train down to Taunton. Wouldn't get to her till at least five o'clock on a Monday. So we hadn't even started the week. I'd, I'd already been up since 5 a.m. to do all the pro stuff. So I was knackered, and then you have to start a, basically a new day for Deborah, and she'd want to go tight till midnight, and you're like, your eye, you need matchsticks to hold your eyes open. Uh, but you've got to have your routine done by Tuesday because they need to film it so they can send it off for the costume, the lighting, or camera shots, all of that sort of stuff. Um, then you have to come and film It Takes Two back in London. Then you have to do um, uh, your VT. You also have to do all the press stuff that goes with it. And by Friday, you're actually back in the studio doing your run-throughs. So there's very, very little time. Um, and to be honest, it's mentally draining. I bet. I, I, I've had dance classes. And Robin, I'm not joking you when I say it probably took me about three weeks just to be able to do a rumba walk. And even then, <laughs> they were rubbish. So when I watch the show now, my respect has just superseded um, what it was before because a hip movement or a rumba walk or a beautiful, just an arm fluid movement can take months to perfect, can't it? It, it, It's something actually really, it it takes years and years. It's like ballet. Um, And we're thrusting them into this in uh, a few weeks. And literally we're dragging them around sometimes. You can't see it on camera. Well, we're literally pulling them in places and we're, we're whispering in their ear and telling them what to do. Um, but I don't very often say this because um, I don't like to, but the professional girls have a harder time than the professional boys because mm-hmm. we're strong and we can pull our partner around. Those poor girls, let's take Christina, for example, when she was dancing with Ben Cohen, mm-hmm. Christina's like five foot four, Ben's like six foot four and built like the Incredible Hulk. She's trying to pull him around. That's why the girls all look like they've got such great biceps. <laughs> but they do have a harder job, I think, than the boys do. It's so interesting you say that because um, obviously the gents have to lead the lady. And I do yeah. wonder how you teach a, a total beginner to lead a pro. I don't know how you do that if you're, you're the lady pro trying to get your gent to move you i think they just get them to move their arm they fake it as much as possible and throw themselves around their partner that's the that's the benefit that they've got as well is that the girls can be lifted and you've got these guys that can lift a girl up and they can do some crazy stuff in the air and things like that so um there's benefits to both sides but i, I think i do think the girls have a have a tougher time but I never said that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what's it like then when you've done the dance, waiting to hear the judges' comments? Do you think, right, this is fine, I can take whatever they say and I'm going to be there for my, my partner? Or does it genuinely hurt when the judges criticise? Well, I mean, with the professionals, we grow up with criticism. Uh, everything we do is criticised. There's never really a pat on the back. and it, uh, It's like, this wasn't good enough, this wasn't good enough. So we're used to that. For example, I'm gonna, I'll use Patsy as Patsy Kenzett as an example. Um, she, when she joined the show, she'd lost a lot. Uh, she'd put on a lot of weight. Uh, she'd come out of her fourth marriage, and she was really down on herself. Um, 
and she'd only wear black or red or dark red or navy for the first few weeks. But over that period of up to week five, I think it was, she'd lost nearly two stone mm. and she was looking incredible. So I convinced her and I, I, I did a lot of work in convincing her to put on this skin colored dress covered in stones, really short with some beads on the bottom, um, dancing to Kylie. And I had her put up the top and doing all this stuff. And she looked incredible. And it did so hard work to get her into that and to get her confidence to the level that it was. Now, the judges don't know what goes on during the week. Mm. And then we stood there after our cha-cha and Craig said, oh, that was cha-cha, chavy, and something like that. And he undid five weeks worth of work just with one comment. Um, because then she's like, I'm not wearing anything like that again. And, uh, but she, she looked stunning. Um, I remember we, she she looked foxy. Se- I mean, sexy. She, I mean, um, I mean, I was looking at it just going, oh my god, you are stunning. <laughs> and the thing is, she didn't believe it, which made it, which I could not understand that somebody that beautiful and sexy could couldn't couldn't see it in themselves. Um, but eventually she did. And by the time that she left the show, she gained all her confidence back. And um, she got, I think, like two and a half stone or something like that. And she left a very happy customer. But the judges don't realise the, the power that their comments can have, I don't think. Mm. Or, if, or if you look at it, they may have, the celebrity may have done the best one that they've done all week. But... Yes. The judges don't know that they could have had. They could have been terrible all week and done a really good one Saturday night. They think it's been brilliant, and then they get slammed for it because the judges that only can judge on what they see. That's a really good point. So no one, including the audience, us at home, we don't know the progress they've made. Yeah, and I guess that's a shame because it must be rewarding for you, the dance partner, to say, "Yeah, out of all the week, that was the best you've done it." So it might not have been perfect, but you still smashed it. So it's our job then to take them to the side afterwards and go, you know what? That was the best one you've done. Ignore, and I always tell, I always used to tell the celebs, ignore the comments and ignore the scores. Just do it on your feeling. If you feel you did a good one and you deserve deserve everything that comes with it, good. Uh, It's the only way. Because they're making a TV show at the end of the day. Right. So they, they... they can't have everybody having, oh, that was great. Well, bravo. Because right. otherwise it's a bit boring. So they've got to find the good ones and the bad ones in the in the pot. And how did it feel for you dancing on that show? Do you enjoy it? Or have you always got one eye aware of things could go wrong at any moment? Oh, I, don't, I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember what any dance that I've ever done on the show <laughs> because you're concerned about your partner all the way through. Um, you haven't got you, you don't worry about that there's people watching at home uh, anything like that your main concern is that minute and a half that you've got to do with your partner nothing else matters oh gosh I was lucky enough Robin I went a few years ago to Strictly to one of the um, the shows the live shows and I could feel the camaraderie amongst all of the dancers and their partners because there is that atmosphere isn't there actually at the venue and it's true I get everybody so oh people really get on like that they do you live in this little strictly bubble and all the celebs are in the same boat they all get on they're all nervous they all support each other the professionals I guess are a little bit different because we come from a competitive background our job is to win and <laughs> like we are all much more very very competitive but that's just how we are 
Um, and some of the celebs, like let's say some of the sports sports people, they're quite comp- obviously very competitive. Mm. Um, Deborah Meadon was extremely competitive um, because it's from their background, but they all fall in love with ballroom dancing. And there is something so special and unique about ballroom. It's about, whereas we've got all the other dance styles, which are all absolutely fabulous, but with ballroom, you're two people moving as one across the dance floor and in, in like unison with one another. And it is just a wonderful thing to do. And they all fall in love with it. Mm-hmm. Every partner I've done the show with, they get sucked up into it and they, they, can, they want to continue dancing afterwards. I love your honesty that all the pros want to win. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, for many reasons. Like, of course, we're bred to win. Um, the further you go in the competition, the more profile you get and but builds up and things. We don't get any more money the further you get. Everyone gets paid the same. Um, um, but, yeah, we just want to win. And we'll all, we'll all be lovely and smiley to each other. But inside, there's that. I've, I'm going to beat you guys today. Or if you're in the dance off and you look at the other cup, or I'm like, I'm having you for dinner. Right, here we go. Oh, I love that fire in your belly and that drive. I love it. Now, um, you did go really far with Lisa Riley. Um, week 11, I think it was. That's when I think people started to know who you were a bit more. And I guess life perhaps changed for you a little bit at that point. Well, the first couple of years I did the show, I was like, actually, the first year I did the show, I'd go out in the street and everybody would point at me and go, oh, that's Artem from Strictly. And it used to drive me crazy because <laughs> we looked very similar. And it used to drive me nuts because he was dancing with Cara Toynton and they were everywhere because they had the love relationship and they won and all that. Uh, the second year I danced with Anita Dobson um, and I became, oh, that's that guy from Strictly. So I lost the Artem bit. I was like, that's that guy from Strictly. And I, I had a terrible e- exit with Anita. I, um, I wasn't there for her final week. I got a horrible infection in my foot and had to go to hospital. And then I had a, um, a huge allergic reaction to the medication that they gave me and was in hospital on a drip. So I couldn't be there for her final week. Um, and then with Lisa, um, Lisa was the big girl that could dance. And she came on to Strictly with the notion in her head that I want to prove to the nation that it doesn't matter what size you are, you can dance. And she said, I know that the entire country are going to look at me and go, oh, here we go. Here's the joke contestant this year and blah, blah, blah. Well, I didn't expect that I was going to get Lisa. Uh, We got on so well in a little rehearsal that everyone has together at the beginning. We just clicked. And um, originally, I found this out later, um, I was paired with Victoria Pendleton, the cyc- Olympic cyclist. Mm-hmm. But they saw me and Lisa together having a little stupid moment in the corner, just being really silly. And they'd said, I think we've made a mistake. So at the very last minute, they swapped and put me with Lisa, which turned out to be the best thing that they ever could have done because our infectious personalities together just became like this big time bomb of personality popping out everywhere. And she could dance. And um, she first came into the first rehearsal and I thought she was going to be the joke like everyone else. And I taught her like an Anne Widdicombe routine. And she was picking it up so easy. And I went, okay, can you try this and this and this? And I said, look, I'm going to have to send you home today. 
I said, because I made a, I've made a very judgmental mistake and I've judged the book by its cover and I thought you were going to be terrible and you're actually really good. And she was like, thank you for your honesty. And um, later on, she, she then used Never Judge a Book by its cover as the title of her book and oh. sent it to me. Like, anyway, um, uh, so I sent her home, she came back, we did this uh, cha-cha routine, which became this with this infamous lift that uh, we thought, let's have a little joke around as I can't lift her. So she said, why don't um, I lift you? And that had never been done before on the show. And um, I sent off the video to the producers and apparently in the, in the um, room that they all watch everyone's dances, they all got up and gave it a stand innovation. And uh, when I heard that, I was like, oh my God. Uh, and of course, once Lisa jumped into, uh, jumped into Lisa's arms, um, we were on the front page of every newspaper um, for, for the next 10, 10 weeks or so. Um, and uh, we just had a wonderful experience. Uh, ev every week, I was just like, what are we going to do this week? What are we going to do this week? And we were just loving life. Robin, I watched that dance back on your Instagram this week. And it was an explosion between the pair of you on the dance floor and you both actually looked very relaxed and comfortable and happy. And definitely there was something, a very special chemistry between the pair of you. Did that excite you at the time? Is that a nice feeling as, for a pro to think my student could go quite far? I think the moment for me that I realised how, how the public were going to um, warm to Lisa was as we finished, actually no, as we halfway through our cha-cha that first dance that the audience there was some there was some different electricity within the audience there was this like everyone was just almost on the edge of their seat and just like oh my god this is brilliant this is brilliant you could see it on everybody's faces and I'm like I think we're onto something here and then um we were a huge standing ovation I don't think I've ever seen a response like it to a a, a dance on Strictly and um, we were top of the leaderboard the first week. And that's the first and only time that that ever happened. Well, I remember watching it and I said, I think she could win. Well, I think the, pe the pair of them could win. For me as well, having been someone who was bigger years ago, I felt she's just smashed it out the park and proved, regardless of what size you are, it doesn't matter because... It's about your your ability to dance. You know, if you've got the technique and you've got the rhythm, it doesn't matter. And, and she was fit. Mm. She had always kept herself fit. Yes, she was. She was a really. She was a size twenty eight when we started the show. Um, um, she's now a size twelve, which is unbelievable. Um, but she she was happy with her 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 weight she's like well i'm just gonna prove that i can do this and to be light on your feet because i think that's what everybody was so surprised about that she was so light on her feet if your weight is over the balls of your feet you be, you you become so much lighter mm. um a lot of people sit back on their heels if you've got your weight over your feet you become a lot lighter oh that's so interesting i'm gonna take that tip thank you because that's <laughs> what i'm doing wrong um <laughs> do you personally have a favorite dance Robin, and I don't mean from the show, I mean, which is your favourite ballroom in Latin dance? Oh, how long is a piece of string? <laughs> it, it's, it's, uh, it depends on my mood for the day because there's, 
you get into character for every single dance that you do. There's a different feeling for every dance that you do. Um, so like some days if I'm a bit angry, Paso Doble, Tango, those sort of uh -huh. things that I really enjoy doing just to like get everything out. Uh, but then other days you've, you've got things like the rumba, which, which is you can either make that a dance of being in love or you can make it a dance of lust or a love-hate relationship. It's however you feel on the day. So I will take any of them any day. Oh, wonderful. Now, you left the show, didn't you? And it was a kind of bittersweet time for you. Can, can you tell me about that? Well, after I danced with Lisa, I was uh, then paired with Deborah Meaden. Oh, actually, if we're going in a little order, after I danced with Lisa, I was very lucky that Burn the Floor gave me a call and said, look, we're um, going to be doing the West End for six months next summer. Would you like to headline? So after 10 years of being with the show, I've done full circle, come back to burn the floor and to have my, my face, mine and Christina's face all over the underground on taxis, buses, uh, you name it. It was everywhere. Wow. Um, that was a dream come true. But everyone as a little kid always dreams of having their lights in the West End, like and their name in lights. And there it was above the Shaftesbury Theatre. And that, for me, I stood outside and sobbed my heart out for ages because I was like, I can't believe this is happening. Anyway, then we, when we carried on, I got Deborah Meadham, uh, who is no dragon. She is a pussycat. And she is the loveliest person ever. And uh, I think people misunderstand her sometimes because she is so wonderful. Um, we got knocked out of the competition early, which was sad because she deserved to go a lot further. Um, in the meantime, while that was happening, um, I've had a huge problem with my tax. And um, I, I had a bill for £110,000. Oh, uh, long story as to why or how that had happened, but I had a bill. That came that, came that week that we got knocked out. Um, I also, my relationship, my engagement ended that week oh. as well. Oh, I'm so sorry. So that was two things. And then... Um, at uh, Blackpool, uh, the Blackpool week of the show, um, I had a little accident, drunken sort of accident of being lifted up, and um, I fell onto a, 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 a concrete floor and hit my hip. And what I didn't realise is I'd uh, pushed two discs out in my lower back. Uh, at the time, didn't feel a thing. But over weeks and weeks and weeks, it was getting worse and worse and worse, and I was in agony. So I was having loads and loads of um, injections to sort the pain out, but it just became too much. And uh, as we got through to the next Strictly, um, I collapsed to the floor in agony, could, couldn't handle it anymore. Um, and I had to be rushed into surgery like a week before we started Strictly. So I had to leave. Uh, and my, one of my friends, Trent Whidden, came in to replace me. And if anyone in the world was glad, more glad that it was him, because I wouldn't have been able to bear it. Um, and uh, it was a terrible time because I'd lost all my money. I'd lost my relationship and I'd um, uh, probably perhaps lost my career. Um, so things started for me then going very downhill in my head. And uh, we all have dark, bad days. My bad days turned into dark days, which turned into dark weeks. And I wouldn't get out of bed for like weeks at a time. And in the job that we have, you can disappear for a little bit. It's very easy to do that. And I know a lot of performers that do that also. 
that they, they're struggling. They don't tell anyone and just shut themselves off. Um, it got really, really bad for me and I hadn't told anybody. And um, as, a, as a result, I came very close to not being here, which um, it was only then was the wake up call to say, I need some help. Um, and I got it and it was great. And when I told the people that were closest to me, they were so supportive and they were there and helped help me through it, which was probably the toughest time of my entire life. Robin, I'm so sorry. And- um, you know, it's, 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 it's something that happens. Um, and I wish I knew then what I knew now and, and how to deal with it or even did some research or anything. But no, I just, I wanted to still be on the outside. I was still this happy chappy that was running around everywhere. Um, but I was drinking a lot uh, in a way just to numb everything. But every, to everybody else, I was just the life of the party. Mm-hmm. And that's where you have to be careful with a lot of your friends. Some of your friends who you think are just, they're the life of the party, look a, delve a little bit deeper into them because I think that sometimes they're trying to mask a lot of things. And I think, you know, you said you wish you knew then what you know now, but hindsight is a wonderful thing. And also... I think the last few years, thank goodness, we all talk more about how we're feeling, about mental health. There are so many more campaigns now. And I think hopefully more people are happy to talk about what they've experienced and been through. And so you came out of that, thank goodness. And you reached out, didn't you, in the end to friends and family. Um, Yes. And then things gradually got better yeah i mean um i i reached out to people and i i'd liked a tweet of something and you can tell a lot by people's social media occasionally as well when they just start posting a few random things um i'd retweeted something from a charity a mental health charity called sane and um they contacted me and they can they, they actually just asked me directly can we ask you why you retweeted that which I thought was a great thing to do because I'd only ever spoke to my close friends and they, and I told them and they said, people who do that normally do it for a reason. Mm-hmm. If it's the first time that they've done it. And they said, we, we thought it a little strange that because we looked at your page and you'd never mentioned anything like it before. So what we just wondered, why are you okay? Mm-hmm. And um, I then started to, to talk to them and do a lot of work with them. And I helped them out now all the time. And they said, you should, how would you feel about speaking publicly about what you've gone through? And I said, absolutely not, because I just didn't feel comfortable. Um, and then I decided that I was going to do a farewell tour because I got offered a job in St. Lucia and at a place called the body holiday, which is like a wellness resort. Um, and I thought I needed a big change in my life. I was coming up to 40, um, go and live in paradise and uh, work out there for it. So why not? So I decided to myself, I'd do a, um, a farewell tour. And Sane said to me, talk about it on your tour. So I did my life story on, as, as, a, as a show. And I sat on the stage and I poured my heart out every night and I told everybody what had happened. And the response was incredible. At stage door every night, people coming up to me, either in tears or saying, my daughter, my son, I've been through this, this, that, and the other. You don't know what it means to be able to, to hear it from somebody that we look up to or we admire. Um, and 
it just showed that it was helping others and it helped me because the more I spoke about it, the easier it all became. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, I still have some really bad days once in a while, but nothing like it was. Well, thank you so much for um, speaking out, you know, because you are really well known. And I think it helps all of us when we see and we hear um, people in the public eye that say, do you know what? I went through this. This happened to me. And I think um, 10 years ago, me and my friends, we never spoke about how our mental health was actually it was we sugarcoated things and put a bit of a glaze on yeah fine had a great week and it's only actually now years on when we are really honest and we sit around maybe just with a cup of tea that we go do you know what do you remember that time when we were all you know at uni or what have you and you we all thought we were all doing great and in the prime of our lives well actually you know what that time was really rubbish and and it wasn't good and I was going through that or I had that breakup and that hit me really hard. I just didn't tell anybody. And it's, it's taken this long for all of us to be a bit more open. And I think, God, thank God we are, you know. The, the, the hardest thing is to talk to someone for the first time. It's like, it's like coming out as, as being gay. It's, it, it was, it, for me, it was just as bad as that. Um, the hardest thing is talking to someone for the first time but it will be the easiest thing you've ever done mm. eventually. That first time you've spoken about it, you, it's like someone chops the top of your head off and lets the steam out. And the more you talk, like BT used to say, it's good to talk, and they are exactly right, um, And which is why I do a lot of stuff now for people. I want people to get dancing because I found that over lockdown, um, I've got a lot of people dancing on Zoom in classes and things like that that would never have done it before. And they all say, oh, my God, it is so good for your mental health. It's good for your body. It's good for your mind, your soul, everything. So um, I want to get as many people in the country up and dancing as possible. Oh, I am with you there. Do you know, Robin, when I dance badly, I don't think about what's been happening in the day or what's got to happen later on. I'm actually just in that moment of dancing. And after an hour, I feel so much better than I had done before. So I think the the physical and the mental positive benefits just are incredible. And I think that's why I've done it all my life and I'll still continue to do it, even though I've retired uh, from, from performing. Um, the moment that that curtain goes up, that red on your own stage, the moment that that red curtain goes up, it doesn't matter whether you're having a good day, a bad day, a jolly day, really crappy day, Nothing in the world matters for that two hours than just dancing, which is why I want to get back to it as soon as I possibly can. So, okay, it's 2020. You're back from St. Lucia. You say you've retired from performing. I I went into a dance studio the other day and I, I just took a couple of hours and just danced my socks off for the first time in five months. I realized how much I missed it. And um, all I'll say is, uh, watch this space. Mm, okay. So keep an eye on your social media feed, basically. Yeah, I think it's about time for me to start uh, start getting back out there again. I think so. I think yeah. so. <laughs> so, Robin, how do you relax then, aside from dancing? Um, I go to the gym. Um, that's sort of actually, I know that's not really relaxation, but for me, that's my other stress relief. I love to go to the gym. 
Um, so it's been a nightmare with lockdown. Uh, but they've just opened and I'm going to go for the first time on Monday. So it's going to be a painful week next week. Um, and I just, I, I, I see my friends a lot. I've got a wonderful boyfriend who um, I absolutely adore. Um, and we, we actually had, we, we call it lockdown love because we met at the beginning of lockdown. Um, but uh, uh, via Instagram, we were just chatting and he said, do you cycle? I said, look, I'd like to take you out for a drink when all this is over. And he said, oh, do you cycle? And I said, um, yeah. He said, well, do you fancy going for a, a bike ride? Because we can do that. So for a month, we cycled and we cycled to every single possible park you can think of in London. And we did it all like courting and getting to know one another and uh, oh. things like that first, which was really hard. But... <laughs> 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 but we did it and we're I'm, I'm really proud that we've done it that way and uh it's been great getting to getting to know him first wow that's amazing proper proper kind of courtship yeah when you're when you're forced to do it that way you had no we had no options so i think that's lovely yeah oh, it was, it was, i'm quite proud we did it we probably would have if we were ha- if we were able to we probably would have broken it but i lived with somebody who was asthmatic he couldn't have anybody in his building. So there was absolutely no way that we could break any rules. Mm-hmm. So we thought, right, let's just go and do this the traditional way. I love that. So, you know, your relationship could go down in history. You know, when people start, everyone starts burying things <laughs> for, you know, <laughs> lockdown posterity and the generations to come open all these boxes and look back. You know, you need to put something in a box. About <laughs> How wonderful. Well, there's there's a happy story from lockdown, which has been pretty yeah. annoying. It's, it's nice to have a happy one because there's been so many sad, especially like with the theatre industry at the moment, things like that. I'm, I, I'm, I, I just, besides like everybody's pantos are closing and, and things like that. But uh, it's going to be a tough time, but we'll all get there. Yeah. And those theatres will be thriving again before we know it. Um, were you due to do a panto this year, Robin? Um. I was, uh, uh, and it's been cancelled, but they had never haven't announced it yet. So they never announced that I was doing it yet. So it doesn't matter. I just can't tell you what it was. Okay, so well, I'm was sorry, good. though, because, you know. That's my money every year. Oh. <laughs> and you know what? I really love doing it. I, I've done it now. I've done five pantos now. I love them. They're great fun. Yes, they're really hard work, and you don't get to have Christmas with your family and stuff. But um, I just love the response, and it's nice to do something in a bit of singing and silly stuff on stage for me. It's not norm, but not the norm. Absolutely, I always think that dancers like yourself have such incredible drive and kind of grit and determination and tenacity. Do you think all of that training has stood you in really good stead for whatever the next chapter is? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like any dancer will tell you, the discipline that you have to have. Um, uh, uh, for yourself to be able to get somewhere is ridiculous. Like, and you've been through, t- I've been through times where I had no money. It was like, do we have a can of cold baked beans tonight for dinner or do we go to practice? And mm-hmm. back that back in the day, and I always chose practice, which is why I was so skinny. Um, <laughs> but it's all of those things that you've learned along the way when you've had absolutely nothing to build it up slowly over years and years and years. Um, you've always got that determination in you to want to do something else. I know that you're doing a lot of Zoom classes at the moment. Could you see yourself having your own school and, and teaching no. and nurturing the next generation? 
not having my own school, but definitely up for helping the next generation. I, because I've been on the road and I've traveled literally my entire life, well, from the age of 20, um, even after Strictly, there was the Strictly tours and always touring around the country. I've never stopped touring. I cannot settle down. If I was to open a dance school, I would have to settle there and I can't do that. I'm, I'm a gypsy. I like to move around continuously. Oh, that's really interesting. And um, just lastly, Robin, who would you say has been the biggest influence on you? Uh, the biggest influence on me, um, I would have to say uh, Jason Gilkerson, who was the choreographer and director of Burn the Floor. He's now a creative director on Strictly, actually. Um, and I idolised him growing up in the competitive world. Then I found myself working for him on Burn the Floor. Um, then he came and joined Strictly after I was there. So to have him on board there was fantastic. So um, he's influenced me so much. Him and his dance partner, Peter Roby, the two of them together um, shaped me as a dancer. Wow. Robin, you're such an inspiration. You really are. Thank you for being so open, so candid. Thank you for giving up your time this morning and chatting to me. And I think, you know, the future is so bright. There are so many opportunities out there for you. And I can't wait to see what you do next. Fabulous. Thank you very much. And thanks for having me. That was professional Latin and ballroom dancer and former Strictly pro Robin Windsor. Don't forget to subscribe to future episodes from your preferred podcast provider and follow me on Twitter at Shireen Jordan and on Instagram at Shireen R. Jordan.